0: Since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Jack Yao, co-founder of Mobile Pixels. Jack, thank you again for being on the show today. It
1: is an honor to have you. Thank you. It's nice to be on the show again.
0: Yeah, so here we are again. We've got uh, we've got a new campaign. So, you know, I, I'm sure our listeners know all about you. They remember your story, you know, but I think it's it's important to to revisit that in terms of the, the roots. So if you would, uh, go back down memory lane and talk about the inspiration in terms of, you know, creating mobile pixels and kind of the evolution of where you're at now and why you're back on the show.
1: Sure. Um, So our company started about three years ago, formally started three years ago, but the idea originated um, maybe four years ago, all the way back when I was still a student at MIT on an internship at Amazon. Um, I was sitting in a co-working space doing some programming work, and not having a second monitor really held me back. And obviously, if you're in a co-working space, you can't be walking in and out of the office with a desktop monitor. So that's where the light bulb initially went off. Um, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there is some type of monitor that could slide out of the back of your laptop and you could deploy it anywhere, essentially? So that's where the idea came from. And um, we made some prototypes uh, with funding from the school and with uh, Roy's help launch the Kickstarter. You know, back then, we we're still going to get real jobs. I, I had an offer to go back to Amazon, but, you know, little did we know, this thing took on a life of its own. Uh, we ended up raising about $1.5 million in pre-sales between Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And uh, I guess the rest was history.
0: Indeed. So for that first campaign, the duo, you know, Kickstarter extremely successful, over 4,000 backers. Then you came back the year after and we launched Trio with you, which had over 2,500 backers and a similar funding. Talk about the the evolution, I guess, in terms of now that you've got so many years of hardware expertise,
1: how has the design process changed for you guys? Yeah, so product-wise, the dux lite and the duo X plus really has evol- evolved um, from the dual days so you know, back then we didn't have a lot of resources we knew at a high level what the product ought to be and how it should be used but you know uh, you know quoting i think what um the founder of dropbox had said you know it's easy to make something that works 80% of the time the last 20% could be you know, 100 little problems that you have to solve for. So our, our experience is essentially that, you know, we had a product that worked, um, that did its job, and everybody was happy, but to really refine the product, it was, it was too heavy, it's too big and bulky, it didn't have enough adjustability inside, and compared to a lot of the conventional monitors that's already in the market, its specs and performance just didn't really meet the par, I guess. So for the DX Lite and the DX Plus, we didn't really focus on sort of innovating the user experience, but we spent a lot of time making the product lighter, smaller. We added uh, features such as eye care mode, auto rotation. Uh, We made it more compatible to Android phones, to Nintendo Switch. So overall you know, I think this round is to launch a much more mature product compared to the ones we did before.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the Duex Lite and Duex Plus active now on Kickstarter raised about $300,000 already and not even its first week of launch. So, you know, again, the, the portable dual screen. Um, and like you said, you've upgraded all of these elements, the smaller size, larger screen, lighter weight. You've also got some really cool features on it. You want to pitch those new features that you've put into the product? Because I think those really help it stand out.
1: Sure, yeah. And um, mainly it's the DuoX Plus. It's uh, meant to be a more premium product than the DuoX Lite. Uh, Added features includes, you know, Auto rotation. So now, if you use it on the right or the left, the monitor will auto rotate. You don't no longer have to go into settings and manually rotate the display, which provides a better user experience. It has two ports: one for back charging. Now, if you connect your laptop, uh, your monitor to a laptop that only has one USB Type C port, that's doubled as a charging port. You could trickle charge through our monitor, and without you know uh, having to use another port. It's uh, compatible with um, Android phones. So if you have a Samsung S9 or something, you know, it'll activate Dex mode, essentially transforming your uh, Android device into a Chromebook. It's compatible with Nintendo Switch. So if you're with your friend or something, you're at a park or a cafe and you wanted to play, you know, your Switch, you could actually play it on a bigger display now by carrying our monitor with you. But really, I think the coolest feature is the weight the duo X plus is 13.3 inches uh, the display size compared to the duo or the duo X Pro which is only 12.5. but despite a larger screen um, dimension, the overall size is actually smaller than the duX Pro. The DuX Pro uh, or the duo is actually one point is 1.77 pounds let's so call it 1.8 pounds. The duX plus is less than 1.3. So it's half a pound lighter despite being bigger and with all these added features. I think, you know, that for us uh was a major breakthrough. It really wasn't easy taking half a pound out of the device, but we did it in the end. Oh, one of the one one more note was a lot of people did not like the way the magnets stuck to the back of their laptop. It didn't provide enough contact surface area to hold it in a stable position. And also, a lot of people just didn't like the way it looked when your monitor's off. So we were able to shrink the magnets uh, by more than fifty percent. The contact area significantly increased, and now you can actually slide uh, the monitor on the back of the magnets and also free hang. So you know, even if you're not on an even surface, you can, like your lap or something, you could put the laptop on your lap and hang the. Uh, Do X Plus or the Dux Lite on the back of your laptop without it, without having to worry about it falling off.
0: Oh, beautiful. So you mentioned a lot of new features. Where did these ideas come from? Did it, you know, tapping into the crowd and the thousands of backers that you have where they were pitching you these feature requests? Or is this more of a, an internal brainstorming that comes up with the newest, you know,
1: elements to add to the product? Yeah. Um Like you said, uh, definitely a lot of feedback from our pre- prior customers. Um, nobody was shy at telling us you know where our uh, products fell short. So things like auto rotation, eye care mode, those really, you know just and also the weight reduction really came at the bequest of our customers. Now, adding the uh, changing the magnet system, You know, our customer pointed out that the magnets weren't good enough, but it was a result of our internal design and brainstorming session to come up with a new system uh, that's on the product today. And then additionally, you know, with the pandemic going on, there's been an accelerated adoption in working from home, which increased the size of the market for, you know, office equipment. And we've seen A lot more competition coming from overseas uh, in the portable display sector and a lot of their products had these features we have so you know a part of it is just we we were really examining the competitive landscape and felt that a lot of these things are no longer a nice to have but a must have for our product as well nice so you mentioned
0: on the overseas side, I mean, you know, obviously there's a, you know, the pandemic has led to a lot of different things changing in the world itself. How has, you know, managing the manufacturing element along with, you know, supply chain issues and chip
1: issues and those sorts of things affected the business over the last year? It's been really difficult. We've seen our actually bomb costs increase by 50%. And that pretty much came from two things. Well, three things. One is display prices pretty much tripled. There's Because there is such a lift in the demand for laptops and portable monitors, the big players like Samsung, you know LG, they're stepping up all the displays in the market. So due to increased demand, LCD panels really increased. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have heard there's a IC shortage as well uh, in the market. So our chip prices also increased. And lastly, commodity prices. Copper has increased by you know five thousand RMB per ton, pretty much per week for the last month. So you know in electronic components, a lot of it uh, are made from copper, such as your USB cable, that sort of thing. So prices on that front has increased as well. So supply chain wise, it's been tough, but luckily we have good relationships with our supplier. Even though with the uh, higher prices, we're able to Maintain a steady supply, and also we had a lot, a lot of um, sort of inventory from last year, so we were able to cushion a bit of the, the impact uh, at the beginning of this year.
0: Nice. So now that you guys are on your third Kickstarter campaign, let's talk a little bit about what's changed in terms of you know preparation for the marketing and the launch of this innovation. What have you guys learned over the years now of now running three campaigns with us that you know has changed. Course, in terms of the marketing or the, the messaging approach to the audience?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, just the marketing landscape has really changed. Before, uh, the conventional wisdom is to rely on Facebook ads, Google ads. You know, now Facebook and Google are qualifiers, right? They're no longer differentiators when it comes to a Kickstarter. So, one thing we did upfront this year um, was we invested heavily on the influencer marketing side so prior to the campaign months prior to the campaign we had been in contact with several influencers including a-list influencers like ijustine and um, i think that's really helped add exposure to our campaign and bringing a lot more traffic
0: Interesting. So, I mean, you know, you go from a a six figure Kickstarter campaign to seven figures in sales that that same year. And last year you guys eclipsed the the eight figure mark. So congrats on that. I mean, how have you gone about, you know, scaling, let's say, from a a retail perspective or partnerships from an Amazon and Office Depot? I know you guys were huge on Woot and Touch of Modern. How Mm -hmm. has that changed? you know, the, the inventory risk or the fact that you guys are getting much more exposure in a broader market with such a, a great product that's out there now.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Inventory wise, um, in the beginning, the, a lot of the conventional distribution contracts uh, are tough. So there's long payment terms like six, net 60. Then, you know, there's a lot of uh, clauses in there that allows your customer to return unsold inventory to you or ask you to compensate for promotion or even a right to exchange for upgraded products when a new product comes out so we knew all those things present a big risk for a small company like us so luckily we have a very strong this um uh sort of warehousing operation so right from the beginning we negotiated drop shipping contracts with them so inventory wise we were able to pull our inventory in one location and fulfill several different channels. That allows us to really consolidate the risk and have a better method of controlling it. Our product lines are pretty simple. We have different sizes, different functions, but you know, our SKU up to this point had been simple. They're they're the same color really. So mm-hmm. we didn't have to manage multiple color variations, that sort of thing. So that helped us uh, as well, but you know I think uh, crowdfunding really deserves a lot of credit in terms of publicity. The you mentioned Touch a of Modern Office Depot woot. Uh, we just signed with uh, Staples, we signed a contract with one of the largest distributors in the US DNH, which you know enables us to sell to BNH photo um, BNH camera, sorry, uh, Best Buy. like uh, our, our distribution channel really grew this year. And really, that is a result of not, you know, not only our own marketing prowess, but crowdfunding. They all came to us, um, not a single one of these distributors, you know, did we cold call or, you know, try to sign on board. A lot of them just actually emailed us and asking them, asked us if we uh, wanted to work with them, uh, including QVC, which, you know, did a special for us the Saturday after Black Friday. And that was huge last year.
0: How, uh, how huge was that for sales? Because QVC, we've always had mixed reports with some of our clients that, that get exposure on the show. But mm-hmm.
1: it sounds like it went well. We had like 100, 110,000 sales in one day. It was pretty big. Especially, you know, they took the, we didn't really have to pay for any of the marketing. They basically just, you know, whatever units they sold, we drop shipped for them. So, yeah, that was really good. Nice. So I know after the, uh,
0: the first campaign ended, you guys went over to Indiegogo and in demand and did e- extremely well. Is that something that you would recommend or you're going to do on this campaign? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, at, by that point, a lot of the marketing assets is already in place. You know, you front loaded a lot of the fixed costs. So transitioning to in-demand really is a no-brainer, no-brainer at that point. Right.
0: So... In terms of the campaign itself, you know, this is our our third campaign together that I've been blessed to be able to work with you. And the team is so excited for this campaign. When you were looking for an agency to partner with, and then when you looked again, you know, for this campaign to work with, obviously you have your pick of the litter. Um, but why'd you come back to us at Inventus Partners? What made you keep choosing our agency to partner with? Well,
1: EP, well, first of all, you know, uh, Everything worked out great previously. So, you know, why mess with something that worked? But really, really, it's the responsiveness um, of EP. You know, every person I've worked with uh, last year, I worked with Sarah, and this year I'm working with Emily. Just, you know, the, the people that I interact with are extremely professional, and they get back to me within 10 minutes, I think, every email. That's That made me feel like they're really on board, a part of my team, and invested in this project. Um, I've worked with a lot of marketing agencies since, you know, 2018, um, just Facebook agencies. I went through four or five of them. A lot of them, you know, they set up the ads, they look at it once every two weeks, most most of the time right before we have to meet. It, it just really feels like it's a cookie cutter process for a lot of these agencies, but it didn't feel like that way with EP.
0: Yeah, it's always good to hear. You know, again, obviously, with the uh, the work that the team's putting in and making sure that this is just another massive success out there, and that the community sees the work that's gone into it, the product that you've created is beautiful yet again. Your customers and tribe are truly happy about the product that they've received, and you've built the trust, you know, with the community. So it's great to see you keep coming back and launching innovations to them. Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, challenges from? overfunding so many campaigns?
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's ever a bad thing. No, uh, I think, you know, th- our first campaign was crazy because we didn't think we were going to sell that many. So being able to scrounge up that many units to be able to ship to backers was was hard. But, you know, along with our product, our company is maturing as well. Our supply chain is maturing. So we're able to plan ahead now especially given previous experiences, a lot of it um, just, yeah, a lot of it just culminated into a much better preparation, not only in terms of the campaign, but also the post-campaign fulfillment. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, you've built the the streamlined process now, right, where it's seamless from the campaign itself, the funding, and at the end of the day, what the, the overall experience and the product that the backer believes they're going to be getting, you know, once you finally deliver it. Yep, that's right. So I'm excited to hear, you know, where where are you guys
1: headed next? Well, yeah, it's funny that you ask. Our next project is actually going to be a desktop monitor. I think, you know, it's great making laptop monitors, but really the much larger market is in the desktop space. Many more people use desktop monitors, you know, than portable laptop monitors and from an Amazon's perspective, that market is actually, you know, more than ten times larger than the portable monitor space. So that's uh, that's where we're headed next year, and I mean not next year, next prod project, and hopefully um, by July or August we'll be able to launch our next product. It's really exciting. It's um, really nothing has um, you know anyone has seen before. It's really different from conventional um desktop monitors so i can't share too many details unfortunately we're still in the patent process but i I don't think i think um you know our backers won't be disappointed
0: well i know i'm not going to be disappointed that sounds amazing i can't wait to see that one come out and be another supporter of that campaign that's going to be great jack congrats thank you well this is going to get us yet again into our launch round I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you i know you're good to go so you ready to start Let's do this. So again, I know we've talked about this before, but tell me about your inspiration to become
1: an entrepreneur. I don't think it was it was natural. I, I um, you know, like I'm sure like a lot of people, um, I was really worried about security and you know, my entire life I've worked for, you know, big companies that gave me a steady paycheck. But you know, the transition into an entrepreneur was really serendipitous um i had mentioned i I was gonna work for amazon but the kickstarter campaign we launched took on a life of its own at that point to fulfill that many orders i had to do it full time and the more i did it the more i became i guess addicted to the uncertainties of entrepreneurship and every time you solve a problem or overcome an obstacle You're doing it for yourself. And every little bit adds more confidence to your entrepreneurship journey. So, you know, that's how it happened. Amazing. So if you could meet any inventor throughout history, who would it be? Oh, I don't want to sound cliche, but probably Steve Jobs. Um, Yeah. I think as a product designer, when we... Conduct industrial design, we're always looking for other products that give us inspiration, um, that give us sort of an idea of the design language we want to convey and every round we do, every product we do, um, Apple products just are always an important part of it.
0: Nice. What, uh, Jack, what's
1: your favorite podcast you listen to? How I built this. Um, yeah, it's a popular one. I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners are into it. I actually bought the book. Yeah, I listen to that almost every day. Nice. What, uh, what's been
0: your best productivity hack over the pandemic?
1: Well, here's a shameless plug. I use our portable monitors um, every day when I'm working at home, even if whether I'm in my kitchen, I'm in the living room, I'm in my backyard, I always have it with me. You know, I think portability, you know, working from home, perspective doesn't mean you're chained to a desk in your home office you could really be anywhere and our accessory allows you to bring that productivity anywhere you are indeed but uh what's been your f- favorite book that you finished over the past year well i just finished um the promised land by barack obama i think that was a really good one and uh i'm not gonna you know give too much opinion on a political <laughs> book but know, yeah, i'll leave that to the listeners
0: Fair enough. All right, last question, Jack. And since you're such an expert on both the hardware side, the marketing side, and the product launch side using crowdfunding, very excited to hear what your take is on the future of
1: crowdfunding. I think it's going to stay popular. Crowdfunding provides a slew of benefits. For one, it lets you to test whether your product has market traction. Two, it lets you work out pricing strategies. Three, it lets um, it enables you to build the publicity you need for when you do go into retail. And then lastly, of course, um, um, it gives you the cash up front to de-risk your inventory position and also allow you to make the stuff that you've invented. So I, I think, you know, it's going to stay strong. I, you know, my only hope is that people use crowdfunding for the way it was meant for. I'm seeing a lot of, I I mentioned this last time, just a lot of overseas factories use crowdfunding as a method to really just sell their products. Right. And that's not what it's for. And I think it dilutes the core and the purpose of why we do this in the first place.
0: I agree. Well, Jack, this has been amazing as always. Uh, This is your opportunity to give the crowd your pitch, tell them what you're all about, where they should go and why they should check you
1: out. Yeah, I, I mentioned um, several improvements of our current product from before. I really think uh, this is the best product we've come up with so far. And if you know our backers or the listeners or potential customers really thought about um, buying one of our previous products, I think you know everyone really ought to check out our current Kickstarter. You won't be disappointed. You know, at one and pounds, they're not even gonna notice that you have our monitor with you. So that means, you know, most likely you're going to carry it with you anytime you go. So whenever you need it, you'll always have it, which translates into a much higher productivity for, you know, whatever you do. Absolutely. Well, Jack,
0: thank you for being on the show. Audience, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to all the campaigns and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Type. Jack, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on InventusPartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.